All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 91. My name is Bob Akhairi. I'm going to be your host along with J.D. Moore. And we're going to have a very special guest today. We're going to have Texas State University President Dr. Kelly Damfiz. Now, I'm going to go ahead and I actually see him in our audience already. So let's go ahead and, and get everyone up. We have again, Dr. Kelly Damfiz is a newly appointed 10th president of Texas State University, where the Bobcats are 3-0 and at home on the season, including a recent upset of App State. He's passionate about college athletics. He's served on the NCAA Board of Directors, on the NCAA Board of Governors, as well as president of the Sunbelt Conference Board of Directors. You might even find him at Bobcat Stadium, riding a motorcycle on the field, firing <laughs> off a T-shirt cannon, or hanging out at a student tailgate. We look forward to discussing the role of college athletics in academic life. Dr. Danvis, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for inviting me, and uh, please just call me Kelly. It's a lot easier. Absolutely. <laughs> JD, have you made it up? Yes, I have made it up. Uh, Kelly, fantastic to have you on the program. Obviously, there is something fantastic in the water in San Marcos right now. It's your first full semester as this new president at Texas State, and the football team is rocking. What is going on in San Marcos right now? Well, it's funny you mentioned something in the water. You know, we have a, a river running right through the middle of our campus, and uh, there's a tradition uh, of the students after graduation jumping in the river, and uh, they've been asking me when I'm going to jump in the river. And when I had the football team over at my house, um, my wife had encouraged me to wait for a special event, and I told them that I wasn't going to jump in the river till they qualified for a bowl game, which we have qualified, but we've never gone to a bowl game before. And uh, I told them, uh, let's 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 all jump on the river together when we qualify. So I'm not kidding. If we qualify at home, I'm going to walk them from the football stadium over the river. We're going to jump in together. And uh, or if we're on the road, when we get off that bus, we're going to walk over there. So it's three in the morning. We're going to jump in the river together. And I, I believe in the power of positive thinking about, you know, speaking things into existence. And and the team, I believe, and I hope our fans are starting to believe in what's happening here. We were undefeated at home. We had the largest crowd to ever watch us win a game at home. Uh, student section is packed. Uh, we're gonna we're still working to get more and more students to come. Uh, but we're excited about what's happening here in, in our football program, but also our entire athletics program, which has been killing it as well. Absolutely. And I know one of your major goals at Texas State is to increase retention, specifically among this like record freshman class that just came to campus. Uh, you're obviously very passionate about athletics and how things like college football traditions play specifically into retention. Would love to hear a little bit more about how that actually does play out. Well, you know, people say, and this this is nothing new. You have you've heard this before, I'm sure, that football is the window to the to to your university to the rest of the world that don't know much about you and athletics in general, but especially college football. And but as it does other things too. It's also the rearview mirror for our alumni who come back. We have homecoming coming up in a couple of weeks, and without without football, uh, homecoming may not be as exciting. And when football is rocking, people get excited about coming back to campus, and it helps us with fundraising and engaging with our alumni. But there's another thing that happens here when college athletics provides an opportunity for students to engage with the university, to engage with each other, to engage with the campus leadership, uh, and to be, you know, it's, it's one aspect of the good times they can have outside of the classroom. And when they're excited about going to the football game, when they're excited about going to basketball and baseball and, and soccer and all the other activities that we have, 
it gives them one other uh, avenue of engaging with with our campus and our, an engaged student is an active student an actively engaged student is more likely to be retained and more likely to have a great experience while they're here and more likely to graduate in a timely manner and we're in the we're in the people changing the lives changing business here and if people come here and don't graduate we've we've failed for every one of those students who didn't who didn't who didn't graduate so retaining them their first their freshman year to their sophomore year and then ultimately graduating them is is really what we're all about here and so when we can use athletics as a tool to get students engaged uh, when they're having a great time out there in the field which is why I spent a lot of time in the student section at at home football games um, that I can uh, that they will they will experience um, such a great time they want they they don't want to they don't want to miss anything. And so when we, we know we've won, when they go to their parents' home at Thanksgiving and they tell their parents on Saturday, I can't wait to get home to San Marcos, when they believe that this is their home, uh, we've, we, we think we've won. You know, you've been seemingly everywhere on campus since you took over as president, including on the sidelines of football games, shooting that T-shirt cannon, interacting with students. What's been the importance of being visible as the university president with your student body? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, it's funny. When I was a student, I, I guess I knew there was a president, but I'm not sure that I actually actually knew what a president or a dean or a provost were. And I certainly didn't know who that person was until I walked across the stage at graduation and saw his name on my diploma. And uh, I'm not a, a traditional president. I didn't grow up dreaming about becoming a president. And uh, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I've won the lottery and, and got the best opportunity to engage with students to do the things that I love to do and uh, with, with our students. And I wanna make sure that they understand that the university cares about them, that they're invested in the future of, uh, in their future. And the only way that I can think of doing that is to make sure I, I have relationships with them, that they know who I am. And so uh, I've, uh, one of my experiences as a student a long time ago was a faculty member who engaged with me. And, and at one point I said to him, how can I ever repay you for what you've done? I mean, he was a tremendous mentor and he said, uh, famously said, Kelly, you don't have anything I want, uh, so you can't repay me. But someday you'll be in a position, I don't know where you'll be, but you'll be in a position where you can help out a student or a colleague who needs some help. And when you when you do that for them, that's how you pay me back. And I've never forgotten that for a, never for a single day, haven't thought about that conversation where a student said, hey, can we get together for a meeting? Can we have a cup of coffee? Will you come to our student organization? Will you spend some time with us? Will you, uh, you know, take a selfie or a be real with me or do a 0.5 picture with me? I've never forgotten that my obligation is to do that because I know that while Kelly is not important, the presidency is important and, and people want to engage with the university. And that's in some ways, I feel like they're engaging with the university when they engage with me. That engagement, I'm sure, means so much to these college students and especially these first-generation college students, which I know Texas State has a lot of. And you yourself, you were a first-generation student as well. Uh, what are some of the things that Texas State has also been doing to engage that type of student who is the first in their family to go to college? Yeah, so you know, my mom had grade 9, and she dropped out of school after grade 9, and my dad had grade 12. And Together, they scratched out a living and, you know, they adopted me and my one of my sisters and then they were foster parents. And I grew up in, you know, challenging background and had never had a thought about going to college until circumstances 
uh, appeared and didn't apply to go to college till like April of my senior year. So that's how far off I was. And so I have a great empathy with the young people who come here. About 44% of our students are first generation. I understand the challenges that, that they face because they don't have, while their parents are proud of them and are supportive in every way they can, uh, but they don't have that kind of social support. And uh, they don't come armed with an understanding about how uh, higher education works. And we use a lot of shorthand and jargon here. And so what we do here, we have a great first generation program. We've got a, a few staff members that are, that run this program. And what we're trying to do is demystify the college process. The students who come here are academically, uh, maybe come from academically challenging backgrounds. A lot, high percentage of them are Pell eligible. So they come from poor backgrounds as well. Uh, so I can really identify with, with those people, but they're their native intellect is there, but they they uh, may not be prepared as other people because of their circumstances, the accent of what zip code they grew up in or what what their, their parents' academic background was as well. And so what we want to do is level the playing field by providing um, uh, some help, some guidance, some explanation, some demystifying of the of the of what higher education looks like so that students aren't burdened by all that they can, uh, by all that stuff but the things they don't know so they can focus on their academics and they can focus on engaging and enjoying life as a, as a college student. I, you know I talked to a student uh, one of our alumni recently and she said I was so scared when I came to Texas State because I was one of those kids that was probably the most likely to drop out and I was fragile. And because of that, I was afraid to take risks. And it wasn't until I got to Texas State where a faculty member encouraged me to go to a conference. I rode on my first airplane and, and I took some risks. And this was a safe place to take risks because the faculty and the staff were working on helping me get engaged with the university and being able to take risks in a place where I knew I wouldn't, if I failed in that risk, I wouldn't like have to leave school and go back and, you know, my careers and my dreams were all crushed that this was a place that would protect me when I, when those risks didn't, weren't rewarded. And so this is a place that has always honored that. And uh, we continue to do that by providing the kind of support that some students need more than others to be successful. You know, one of the things I know that Texas state is moving towards is the R1 or tier one classification yeah. within the Carnegie's classification system. What is that going to mean for students and athletics of the university? You know, it's, it's funny. We have, I've stood up two commissions uh, since I've been here, and these will be longstanding commissions. The first one, the most important one, was on student success because that's ultimately the business that we're in, helping the students, helping more students to come here and also helping them be successful. But the second one was what we're calling the run to R1. And we have always at least in the modern history, been a research university. We have a lot of faculty who engage in the research process. Uh, but we have been late in the game, and there's a long history of why this is, but we're late in the game on, on our graduate program. We have a fairly large master's program, but not very uh, well-developed PhD programs. We have only 12 PhD programs, and, and uh, those PhD programs develop uh, great PhD graduates, but not enough to really be, to be classified as a research one or tier one institution. And so we're uh, asking this commission to look at everything we're doing and, and tell us, tell me and my cabinet and the rest of the community, how do we best become an R1 institution? And the question that we should always ask ourselves is why are we doing that? And what are the risks of doing this? Like what will we 
what will we have to be careful about that we don't want to hurt what we're doing already? And so the, the first part of that is that we value teaching. We value the relationships our faculty and our staff have with our students. We value the fact that our students don't, don't see us as a big university. Our topography is such that you can't see the whole campus from any one place. place. So most students, while we have 38,000 students here, don't believe that we're a 38,000 student campus because it has that small family feel especially with the river running through it and the, the activities that, that go around with the river and uh, Sewell Park. But we also know that students come here for a degree and, 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 uh, and a life-changing experience here. So we don't want to lose that, the value that we have in, in teaching and changing the lives of students who come here. But we also think, and this goes to the why question now, why do you want to become R1, is that there's something valuable also about providing, especially high-achieving students, uh, those who want to go into graduate school, for example, the opportunity to engage in the research process more. Uh, and there's also value to be had by having faculty members who are not just disseminators of knowledge, but also creators of knowledge. And when you become an R1 institution, and remember, R1 is not better than R2. We think as an R2 institution that we're a great university. It just describes the level of research you're doing, especially the number of doctorates that you're that you're producing. But when you do that, you you change your faculty a little bit by having faculty who are more oriented towards research, um, and then you provide opportunities for your students to get uh, research experience and being taught by people who are on the cutting edge of research and knowledge. It also uh, you know, universities are economic engines, and for for the most part, uh, universities are economic engines by, because they bring a lot of students to a town, and there's there's the restaurants and clubs and apartments and so on who benefit from that. Uh, but there's another part of economic engines, and that is the development of companies and research and development that gets done at Research One University that changes the type of businesses that come to a community. And so we think that as we become an R1 institution that will attract high-end businesses and, and manufacturers to, to come to San Marcos, that we can help build this city that we love so much into a, a kind of a high-tech area as well, competing with places like Round Rock and Austin and so on, uh, that we can we can develop economically an economic base that is based on high-end research and development that's being done by our faculty and by business partners who come along with us. So patent development and and uh, development of businesses that we incubate on our campus that are engaged in the research and development process as well. So we are aimed at seeking R1 status, and we hope to have that by 2027. It's a stretch goal for us because it takes a long time to get there. And and we are, as I said earlier, relatively late in the game doing that. But uh, I've, I've issued the challenge and the faculty have accepted it. And now we're knee deep and trying to figure out the next best steps to get us there. Kelly, I know you're a busy man and we've got a limited time. So I'll ask you one last question. Sure. You are about to start the 2022 Step Up for State 1800 uh, 99 minutes of giving, uh, combine that with some of the things like the $2 million gift from the Trevelyan family for the new South end zone complex. Yeah. Uh, there seems to be a new surge of alumni giving and engagement. What are some of the long-term goals financially that Texas state is looking at for upgrades around the campus? That's, that's awesome. You know, uh, we've been blessed by great leadership for the past 20 years with Denise Trout and the university has grown tremendously, not just in enrollment, but also our facilities. 
Um, and we've had great experience with, with fundraising. But uh, I will say that I had a great experience. We had an alumni event in San Antonio. And uh, at the end of it, I was sharing some of the hopes and dreams that I have as I come here. And one of our alumni said, I am so fired up. I can't wait to, to get engaged here. And then uh, that was really kind of, I mean, it was humbling for me to see someone respond like that. But I think there is some hunger. I, I know success in the football field uh, drives some of that, but I, th- I don't think it's just football. I think it's all the stuff that people are seeing, like the drive to become an R1, our, our emphasis over and over again that we see we seek excellence in all things, that it's not just football, but all, all of our athletics programs. It's not just academics, but also in research. And so I think our alumni are excited about engaging with the university, and that's why Step Up for State is so is so great. It gives alumni an opportunity to give at whatever level. Some people think, oh, I don't have a million dollars to give. Well, you know, I can give $50 to a program that I like. And all those small $50 gifts add up to something very special. So we've got a lot of smaller programs where people can can step up for state in lots of different ways. But, you know, we're trying to raise money for a new mu- music building right now, which will be uh, really important for us uh, because we have an outstanding musical theater program and and music program across the board. And so that'll be the next big building for us. Also, we're building a new residence hall and new science building as well because we've got some growth there. we got to get more housing on campus because the freshman class keeps growing. I'm looking out my window and I see two, cra- two cranes in the distance where we're building a new residence hall at Hilltop. And then, uh, so those are big deals. And then in the football stadium, we have to expand and improve our football facilities. And, you know, first off, we're going to start with the South end zone. We're going to make sure we have great workout facilities where we get all of our team in the same weight room at the same time. That's a big deal for us. Uh, But ultimately I'd like to be looking at an indoor practice practice facility because we don't have that here. And uh, there's, you know, there's sometimes the weather really requires you to move indoors and have an indoor facility can make a big difference for for all of our athletics programs and so that's on the horizon for us as well so uh we've we've made great progress with facilities but we've got a long way to go and i'm excited about the excitement i'm seeing by our alumni and and frankly not just our alumni but our friends of the university people who didn't go to school here but see what we're doing and the investments they're making in the university is very humbling and uh, exciting as well Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. We know you've got a busy schedule as president of a university. It's like being a president of a small country. So, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks guys. So I much. appreciate it. I enjoyed it. We did too. And for those of you out there, this was RCFB Talk 91. We just had Dr. Kelly Dampus, the president of the Texas State University. Lots of stuff to talk about. Very interesting background. I wish we had more time, but that's just how it is. So, I just wanted to thank all of you. On behalf of myself, Bob Akayeri, on behalf of J.D. Moore, just as a quick reminder, by the way, Texas State is going to be playing at Troy this Saturday, so that should be a good game. Beat Troy. Yeah, absolutely. Eat them up, cats. Again, thanks to everyone who listened. That was our CFB Talk 91. Now I'm hang up and listen.